Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again today. Let's jump right into this today. Got some exciting things to tell you about this conversation that Jesus had with the rich young ruler. So if you would turn to Luke chapter 18, we're going to be camped out there for just a little while. I hope you've been encouraged by these messages I have. Anytime you can glean from a conversation that Jesus had, it is. It helps you to understand how he speaks, how he identifies with us. And so we're definitely going to see this today. So let's go ahead in Luke chapter 18. Let's begin with verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God? For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, And those who heard it said, "Then, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. So there's a few things that we can learn uh, from this conversation. First, we got to know this conversation is about salvation. A lot of people try to make this about money, about riches, about wealth and possessions, but it's really not. It's really about salvation. Now, riches were, uh, were included in this because this was the priority for this guy. It, he, he was a, a rich Ruler. That word ruler is the word archon. It, it means uh, he was a magistrate. He was uh, some kind of some kind of judge or someone with authority and he made really good money so when he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life that's the crux of the conversation and we know that so many uh, different religions teach how to have and gain eternal life judaism you know that's god is with israel so through the good works of a faithful Jew and just being a part of that nation will get you in. That's what Judaism teaches. Islam teaches that uh, Allah, he requires good works. We, you have to do the five pillars. You have to fast and make that pilgrimage. You have to give alms. You've got to pray five times a day. and You've got to confess that Muhammad is the prophet. You've got to do all those things. And those things will set you up for salvation. But there's still no guarantee According to Islam, the only guarantee is to participate in jihad, which is dying fighting unbelievers. That's the only sure way. 
Now, the Hindus would answer that question uh, with, you know, this idea that, that God is this awesome force. And, and by the way, that's where Star Wars got that whole theme of, of the force being with you from, was from Hinduism. That they believe that you're reincarnated over and over and over until all of the evil is purged from you. And the last step, by the way, the last thing that you're reincarnated uh, as before you become a part of the force is a cow. Then you join Brahma, which is their, this name for this force. And that's how you're saved. Buddhism is, is kind of this perfect unconsciousness is is heaven god in heaven they're they're perfect in nirvana you know a perfect unconsciousness and through good works like like practicing your religion and meditation and and asceticism with you know self-denial the goal is is to discipline your body to the point where the body does not have a desire for anything no food no comfort no nothing i've heard it said that it's kind of like a joining one drop of water joining another is still water but it's just kind of involved and evolved into this this greater force and then the largest unorganized religion in the world is paganism it it really is heaven is heaven is here it's it's you know it's what you make it if you can manipulate uh, things you know uh, forces or spirits or people to create um a perfect atmosphere for yourself then heaven is here and and you work to make your life as good as you can then you just you just cease to exist so heaven is only temporary and it's here so when this rich young ruler wants to know what jesus says about salvation jesus tells him and he shares he shares with him the truth and the truth is no one can meet god's standards that's what those Verses 19 and 20 say, No one is good except God alone. Now, people make good um, kind of a relative subjective thing. You know, like good compared to what? You know, like salad. Salad is good. I like salad. But if you set it next to a bowl of banana pudding, it's going to taste like dirt, right? So everything is kind of relative and it's subjective. But Jesus is using the highest possible definition of good here righteous paul repeats this in romans 3 10 no no one's righteous no not not one now jesus is going to eventually tell this guy how to gain eternal life but first he points to the law which of course we know it it's kind of useless for salvation no no one can keep that perfectly we're not perfect people Notice that Jesus only quotes the second half of the Ten Commandments when he's talking about the law with this guy. There's, there's four commandments at the beginning that have to do with your relationship with God. There's six commandments at the end of that, of that list that have to do with your relationship with other people. And he, he com, he's talking about five out of six of those commandments. It's the, it, it's the, perfect, uh, the perfect way that Jesus kind of encapsulated that in teaching when he said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself right so those things are involved in the ten commandments jesus focuses him on the second half but he omits the last one coveting your neighbor's possessions he's going to deal with those possessions in a minute but first he points this man because he's a jew to the law 
And the law is very clear. No one can meet God's standards. That's reiterated in Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's a standard that's way up there, and we've fallen short of that standard. So he tells this man that no one can meet God's standards. Then he tells them that faith in himself, in Jesus, is, is necessary. That's what 21 and 22 are all about. This is the opposite, by the way, of every other religion. All those religions that we talked about and every other. For Christians, salvation is a gift. It's received by faith. It's not uh, an act of works. All those other religions, you have to do things. But Romans 2, 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So when Jesus said, Come follow me, He's saying, abandoning everything you know about religious work and everything you base your trust in for eternal security and simply choose to live with me, walk with me, and receive the gift that I'm offering here. Now, understand that Jesus is not demanding a work here. It may seem like that. He's not saying that you have to do this, you have to abandon this, to follow me. This is not a works-based decision that he's calling us on. This is where a lot of people get it wrong. They assume that there are things that that must be done to earn salvation, but this is not a, a simple physical requirement to salvation. Jesus is demanding an adjustment in this guy's priority list. He is. Not his work, his priority list. He's requiring an attitudinal change in what this, this man is putting his trust in. Jesus asked him to adjust his attitude, his priority list, and place his trust in in himself, in Jesus, for salvation. Adjust your priority list, dude, then follow me. And this guy had to understand that faith in Jesus was enough to save him. He had to understand that. I read an article by Matt Slick. He he is the president and founder of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. Uh, You might know it as CARM.org. Check it out. It's really good. Here's what he has to say on the matter. Not only must you believe in the true Jesus, but you must also have true faith. In theology, we talk about two kinds of faith, essentia and fiducia. Essentia is nothing more than uh, a mental acknowledgement. The devil example uh, acknowledges that God exists. That's, we found that in, in James 2.19. But he does not have fiducia. That is, he does not have a trusting faith in God. It is fiducia that Christians are supposed to possess. He goes on to write, We are to have a faithful, independent trust in the work of Christ upon the cross who cleansed us from our sins. We don't just have mental acknowledgement that Jesus lived and died on the cross. We not only believe that, but we also trust in the sin sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. What What a great article. Jesus told this man to have faith by recognizing his, his hang-ups, his out-of-whack priority list, and then follow him. Now notice we see in verses 23 to 25, that for some folks, salvation is a hard choice. It is. This man had to choose between priority number one, money, and and Jesus. Now, don't confuse Jesus' stipulation for this man with the uh, stipulation for all of us. This man didn't have, this man had a a hang-up on money. Not all of us have a hang-up on money. And money was his first priority. For many of us, the hang-up, the first priority spot is something else, like 
our freedom, our independence. No one will tell me what to do. We hear a lot of that today. Maybe our first priority is our reputation or social acceptance. I must protect my good name and I must be looked upon with respect. Or maybe that first place is, is, is a, you know, a, an element of success, of, of recognition. I have to be achieved. I have to be praised for what I've, what I've achieved. A big, for, a big one for us in the South is, is that top priority is, is family status and family unity. So thinking that I have to take care of my family, I got to keep my family together, I got to keep them well, I got to keep them peaceful, I got to meet all the needs. And Jesus says, no one who's, who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, you know, will not be blessed. I must choose between Jesus and family for that top priority list. Now, that sounds extremely harsh, but you got to realize that priorities don't just vanish when they're removed from first place. No, they might go to second place or third place. But Jesus must have the top priority. This is a hard decision for a lot of people to make because these positions of priority have been in place for a long time, and it's painful to uproot them, move them down the list. And this is what made this man so sad. Jesus tells him in verses 26 and 27, salvation is only by grace. It's only by grace. The people ask, <clears throat> the people listening here, they ask the right question. How can anyone be saved? Not that they were all rich, but they all had priorities out of whack. And they were trusting in something else. And so they said, how can anyone be saved? If we're so screwed up, how is, how is salvation possible at all? And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. This is so good. Don't miss this. It is impossible for you to do enough to save yourself. That's what the Bible teaches. It is impossible to be good enough. The standard is too high. The requirement is too unattainable. But with God, it's possible. I used to ask the youth, can God do anything? And they'd say, yeah. I said, well, can God make anything? They say, yeah. So, well, can he make a rock that even he himself can't pick up? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is, if he wants to. God can do whatever he wants to. And so the question is, does God want to save you? You, you ask, what can I do to inherit eternal life? You must ask yourself also, does God want to save me? Well, listen to 1 Timothy 2, 4. God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. That is very clear. God desires for you to be saved. But we can get so hung up on ourselves or our situation or the top priority that it's impossible to come to salvation. So how does he make this possible? Now listen, this is good. Grace. Grace. What a great gift. That's best defined by that acronym that says that we get God's riches at Christ's expense. It is a gift. That's the, the, the big word in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Get this. You have to get this. We are saved by placing our faith in the awesome gift of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Let me say that again. We are saved by placing our faith 
in the awesome gift of Jesus, the sacrifice on the cross for our sins. That is it. And we will be saved by faith through grace, faith in Christ through the gift of grace. And then 28 through 30, he says that people who sacrifice to follow Jesus can expect a reward. And this is not a requirement for salvation either. We don't have to sacrifice. It is a gift. We don't sacrifice for a gift. He's not adding a work here. He is pointing to a reward for following him. If you must sacrifice something by dropping it into your priority list to follow Jesus, you will have a reward in heaven. Jesus List one sacrifice that some people have to make to earn a family, uh, to earn a reward. It, that, that's family. Not everyone has to experience this, this earthly loss. Some do by their calling. Missionaries, sometimes they abandon family, you know, children and, and parents. Sometimes preachers do this. They've got to abandon family in the evenings because they got to make that, that visit or they have to go to that hospital. And, but not everybody has to do that. Not everybody has to do Some do. Some need to because they of idolatry. They, they put family in the place of God and where family is everything. And you've got to loosen up your grip on that. So, so don't lump yourself into this just for, for convenience sake. I know there will be some out there say that, you know, I, I feel like God's le- leading me to leave my spouse and to abandon my children for the kingdom of God. Well, God's not leading you to that at all. Not, not when they need you the most. He's not calling you to do that because you made vows to God. And so don't lump yourself into that for convenience, but notice the things that are in the place of God, for God. It, it's dependent upon your priority list. We must choose to put Jesus before everything else. And Jesus made it clear that salvation can't be earned. It's simply a choice. The the. The big point here is that salvation is, is the right choice. You don't choose something else. You choose salvation. So how does this apply to us? Well, hear Jesus. Hear Jesus very clearly. He desires for us to be saved. But, but he knows it's a hard choice. He, he put on flesh. Don't forget. He put on flesh to relate with us. We don't have a, high, a great high priest who does not understand what we're going through. The human side of his person is so compassionate. But hear him. He wants us to be saved. We have to hear Jesus say this. And he says it very clearly in the scriptures. It's my will that all come to the saving knowledge. And then we have to make the hard choice. See, the divine side of Jesus is is very cut and dry. Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's very cut and dry. The human side of Jesus says, I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard. I understand it's hard because I lived it. But the divine side divine says, but, but choose me and live or die with the consequences. It's very clear in the scripture. But the human side of Jesus says, you know, you're going to have to rearrange your priority list. You're going to have to put me in first place because you're going to be distracted by all of these earthly things. So rearrange your priority list. The divine says, the divine side says, this is the line. If you want to cross it, cross it. If you don't, then that's your choice. But the human side says, if you do, you're going to have amazing 
heavenly rewards. And that's the third application. Expect heavenly rewards for choosing Jesus. You will have crowns. You will have experiences. You'll have deeper relationships. All of those things take place in heaven, and they're waiting for you. So hear Jesus. Make the hard choice. Expect heavenly rewards. That is how we are saved. That is how we are saved. By faith in Jesus, through the gracious gift that He gives us, we are saved. My question is, will you accept that today? And before, before you answer, let me just go ahead and just run down through the Scriptures for you what this means. I don't want you to make a wrong choice. This means that, that Jesus becomes Lord and Master. He makes decisions for our lives. We submit completely to Him. We live for the glory of His name. But we can expect to be rewarded greatly. This means that we uh, admit that we have lived wrong and in, in opposition of what He wants. We confess that to Him, ask Him to forgive our sins and save us in heaven. And then we know that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, He does this for them. And if we just simply confess our sins with our mouths and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be, we will be saved. Are you, are you ready to accept that today? If you are, would you pray this with me right now, right where you are, in the car, on the couch, in the coffee shop, wherever you are. Pray this with me right now. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know you loved me enough to send your son to die on the cross to pay for my penalty. And it's enough because he didn't earn a penalty. So I trust in that gracious gift and ask you to save me. And I'll live according to your rule. I'll walk uh, however you want me to walk. Change me into a better person than myself. And I'll live for your glory. It's in Christ's name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, he saved you. You are sealed for eternity. Your new life begins today you can expect to follow him. Maybe some of you have friends that uh, you would like to share this truth with. Maybe they've even asked you, you know, how, how can I be right with God? You need to share this. Tell them you need to hear Jesus. You need to make the uh, hard choice, and then you can expect heavenly rewards too. And share with them those things. Share with them this podcast. Share with them with the scriptures. Take them to fbcclover.life and, and look on that card on, on how to be saved and, and, and how to have a right relationship with God. You can lead them in those ways. Pray for them to be saved. Well, I hope this is encouraging to you today. I hope you have a great day. I'm praying that you have a, a good rest of the week and look forward to speaking with you again next week. Remember, we worship on Sundays at 8.30 in the sanctuary, 9.45 and 11 in the gym. And you're going to bring your own chairs to the gym and we'll spread out and worship and have a great time. Uh, don't forget, I'm, I'm praying for you. Call me if you need me and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. 
For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.